0: Every year, baseball fans flock to Cooperstown, New York to visit the greatest tribute to the history of America's greatest game. The Baseball Hall of Fame is a hallowed ground reserved for the game's greatest players in order to preserve the memory of their legendary careers. In order to be enshrined, the game's legends are put through a rigorous voting process where the merits of their careers are judged by the Baseball Writers Association of America. These are the writers that are supposed to know the game and have followed their careers better than anybody else. But notice how i say supposed to recently those that are in charge of the voting process have shown that their evaluative criteria may not be up to the standards of the power they hold too often deserving candidates are pushed aside for those that are less qualified than them some are held out for much longer than they should be and some even drop off the ballot entirely despite having strong cases to be in it is these inconsistencies in voting that have led me to take up of serious interest in the process and try and bring justice to the Hall of Fame. My vision of the Hall of Fame is one where deserving candidates are voted in, personal vendettas are ignored, and candidates are evaluated on nothing more than the merits of their careers on a baseball diamond. While my real power may be limited, my desire for justice led me to create this podcast, where I make the arguments for and against some of the most controversial cases on the Hall of Fame ballot. It is on this platform that I will justify opening the doors of the Hall of Fame to every deserving candidate, no matter how many there may be. This is Big Hall Talk. Welcome to Big Hall Talk everybody. I'm Ethan Madowski and I don't care how many players make the Hall of Fame so long as the right ones do. The reason I mention this term big hall is because many of the problems that you'll see with Hall of Fame voting, I've known, you know, I've noticed are from writers that want to keep what's called a small hall where the on- they they only vote for a few candidates every year to give the Hall of Fame a light of exclusivity. But on this podcast, I will present some of the cases that big hall and small hall voters differ on, and I'll offer my personal opinion on whether those players are worthy or not. You'll see that I typically lean towards a big hall. Um, whether or not you agree um, will show what type of voter you are. and. You know, All opinions on, on all Hall of Famers are respected around here, unless you think that Omar Viskill is a Hall of Famer. Um, but before we get into specific cases, let's go over some of the terms, stats, other topics and issues that you'll hear a lot in discussions about these players, um, so that you're familiar with how I'll evaluate these candidates and get an idea of the type of discussion ahead. So the first thing that we should really talk about is what kind of statistics you're going to hear me use a lot because that's really what a lot of my arguments are going to be based off of. So the first thing, you're going to hear me talk about slash lines all the time. A slash line is um, three or four statistics depending on how you use them, Um, and they're all averages. So batting average on-base percentage and slugging percentage. Slugging percentage is representative of how much power a guy hits for. And then OPS, um, it will be the last number that I talk about in a guy's slash line. That's just the combination of on-base and slugging. I think it's a much better um, metric for offensive production than batting averages. I don't really look too much into a guy's batting average anymore. That's something that a lot of old voters will do. Um, They'll set this threat. This threshold that if a guy doesn't hit 300, he's not a Hall of Famer, which I think is ridiculous. Um, uh, uh, not hitting 300 does not mean you weren't an amazing hitter or worthy of the Hall of Fame. Um, the next one, and this is really an important metric, is WAR, which is wins above replacement. Fangraphs, which is a site that you'll hear me reference a lot on here, defines it as an attempt by the Sabermetric baseball community to summarize the player's total contributions to their team in one statistic. Basically, it's how many wins is a guy worth to your team? Um, the uh, there, there's usually this threshold that people talk about where um, you know some people have a cutoff below uh, uh, at sixty. If you have a war below sixty, you're not in. I kind of see it fluctuating. Um, Basically, 55 and above is really good. Um, you know, 70 is pretty much almost automatic. Um, right now on the ballot, the player with the lowest war that I'd vote for besides Billy Wagner, who is different because he's a reliever, is Jeff Kent. He has 56 wars. So that just gives you an idea of the type of player that we'll be looking at. Um Weighted runs created plus is my favorite metric personally. It really is basically just how many runs a player was worth to his team. The plus signifies that it talks about league average. And league average will always be 100. So every point above 100 is 1% above league average. And every point below 100 is 1% below league average. This is a really good measure of offensive performance um, because of that reason. Because it's really easy to show how much better a guy is than average. Um, Let's talk about some awards, and these are things that I'm going to be talking a lot about with guys. Um, You know, MVPs, obviously. One can help the case. Um, You know, I talked about Jeff Kent. He's got one. That's a huge boost to his case. Um, Gold gloves. The reason I really love gold gloves is because I'm not a huge fan of defensive metrics. I don't know a ton about them. I'm not really sure how much... Numbers can measure defense. Um, so I just really kind of go off the eye test, and gold gloves are a really good measure of the eye test because if you're making the flashiest plays, if you're making the simple plays, you know. Um, or, or even the tough plays look, look easy. Um, you're going to win gold gloves and guys that win gold gloves, guys that really rack them up, um, you know, can be a huge boost to their case. I mean, Barry Bonds has eight gold gloves. Would you ever know that? No, but he was a tremendous defender and having eight of them shows, um, also, it says you were the best defender at your position, you know, either one year or if you won them consistently, you were the best defender at your position for a long time. That's huge. Silver sluggers is the same kind of thing. It's basically the gold glove, but it's for hitters. Were you ever the best hitter at your position? I think that's something that's very important. Um, with pitchers, the big one is Cy Young's. Obviously, that's basically the pitcher MVP award, um, you know, it it. it it, it doesn't automatically qualify you if you have if you um, don't have a Cy Young. Um, you know I don't love like Annie Pettit's case or uh, Mark Burley's case because they don't have one. But Kurt Schilling doesn't have one, but his case is a lot stronger. Um, and so for that reason, you know I kind of differ on those guys' cases. Um, but Cy Youngs are certainly a measure. Were you ever the best pitcher in the league? And if you were, were you the best pitcher in the league multiple times? All star appearances aren't always the best representation of success because fans vote on them, um, but they show longevity. If you were an all star for eight times, twelve times, thirteen times, whatever that may be, it shows that you were really good for a long time, and it also shows consistent recognition as one of the best players in the league because that's really what all stars are all about. Um, some of the issues that I'm gonna, you know, you're gonna hear me talk about in terms of why guys aren't getting in. The biggest one is obviously, um, performance enhancing drugs, um, and steroids. I am not, you know, I'm not one to keep guys out for steroids. Um, I vote for steroids. There are a few steroid guys on this ballot that I vote for. Um, you know, there are certain cases, Robinson Cano is uh, an active player that has a pretty good hall of fame case. He just tested positive for steroids for the second time will be suspended again and, for me, that's it. Um, you know, Manny Ramirez did the same thing. Um, his case is a lot stronger, and we'll talk about his case down the road. Um, so it's a very, very tough. You know, when it gets to that second one, it's very tough. But I'm not one to keep a guy out that is, um, you know, accused but never proven, or even if they just had um, one offense. The next one is character issues, and the big, ba- you know, the big name on this ballot is Kurt Schilling. Kurt um, Schilling has made some extremely derogatory comments that I would never ever agree with, um, and I really just, in a way, I kind of find him repulsive. I'm going to be honest, um, but I'm not here, you know, as I talked about voting for the merits on a baseball field and the baseball field only and as as a hall of fame voter it's not up to me to be the character police i'm not here to you know punish you for being a bad person if you were one of the best baseball players of your generation and you qualify for the hall of fame i'm gonna vote for you for the hall of fame i'm not going to hold a personal vendetta against you um longevity is another one um You know, there are some instances where injuries derail a career. Andrew Jones um, is one of them. We'll talk about him next week um, or or next episode. And um, he, you know, his career was kind of derailed by injuries. If a guy is qualified, injuries and how long they play should never be a reason to keep them out. Um, You know, if anything, they only would have had a better career without injuries. So it's really hard. I'm not going to... I'm also not going to reward guys that played forever. Um, You know, Viscell played for 24 years. I'm not going to reward him just because he played forever. Um, The next one is ballparks. This is really, there's really only one ballpark where this comes into place and that's Coors Field, which is at mile high in Denver. The ball obviously flies out of there. These guys, it's not their fault that the, that major league baseball put a team in Denver. Um, They, they, you know, they didn't, create the team in Denver and say, I'm going to make this team and play there. It's not a good reason to keep guys out. Um, Larry Walker, who just got in last year, um, and is my guy, my king, Larry Walker. I love him. His case was... you know he got held on in, out until the tenth year on the ballot, his final year, and he was so overqualified. Um, but he was kept out because many people, you know, didn't think his career was warranted um, because he played at Coors Field. I think that's ridiculous. Many stats these days are park adjusted. They show you how good a guy was at home and on the road, and they account for that kind of stuff. So I, I I think that's a you know not a, a great reason to keep a guy out. And then the final one, um, and this one is something that kind of bothers me a lot is you know the first ballot, first ballot Hall of Famers, and then dropping guys off a ballot. Yes, there are certain guys that have the um, you know status of being a first ballot Hall of Famer. The first time you're on the ballot, you're in. You were that good. But if I think that a guy is a Hall of Famer. Why does it matter, you know, if it's the first year or the 10th year, if there's room for him on my ballot, um, then he's going to be on my ballot in year one. He's going to be in on my ballot in year 10. I'm never going to take a guy off a ballot, um, unless there's somebody else that pops up that I have to vote for. And I run out of space, it, you know, that can some kinds kind of depend on, on, um, ballot space with only 10 votes, but, there's no reason to ever drop a guy off a ballot that you voted for. If you're a, if you're a Hall of Famer in year one, you're a Hall of Famer in year ten, and that's just how um, it is. I'm not going to hold guys out. In you know, there's there's not a fourth ballot and a seventh ballot Hall of Famer. When you're a Hall of Famer, you're a Hall of Famer, and that's just kind of how I see it. Um, these are just some of the common topics that I'll be talking about on this podcast. Um, you know of the 25 names on the ballot there are about 12 to 15 that will receive legitimate consideration um, we'll discuss all of them um, starting on the next episode and we're going to talk about possibly the most intriguing case on the ballot and Andrew Jones the center fielder longtime Atlanta Brave um, a career derailed by injuries as I mentioned so that will be the first case that we'll be exploring. Is his defensive value and power hitting ability enough to overcome his lack of longevity and mediocre batting average? Is Jones's place at the heart of one of the great powerhouses of the 90s a legitimate reason for him to get in? To me, it's the most interesting case on the ballot, and we'll discuss it on the next episode of Big Hall Talk.